1: Christine Flowers, you know her as a syndicated columnist locally, uh, writes for the Inquirer as well as in Delaware County, and as well as somebody who you see her on ABC6 on Sundays, TV, immigration attorney. Christine, I don't know how you even have time to come on here. I know you you were with a client early this morning, but thank you for making time for us. Are you kidding, Dawn? I
2: would, I would, uh, I would cross a desert without water to talk to you. I have, I have loved and admired you for so many years. You're younger than I am. I'm not gonna make it sound like, you know. But uh no, it's it's always a joy. And it's great to be uh back on um my old stomping grounds, um, WPHT. I uh I, I love the place and uh yes. I listen to you and you're with Rich and uh so anyway, I'm really happy to be talking to you.
1: Yeah, it's great. And and the feelings mutual. I think we've we've known each other for I don't even know how many years, Christine, but uh, I want to get your reaction because you've been writing about this all impor- important race that's happening in Delco in Delaware County, one hundred sixty third, and Joe Biden. You know the the breaking news that President Biden, in a very rare move, do you remember a time when a president gets involved in a local, you know, tiny little special election like this? Can I get your reaction on the president? You know, saying basically. He's getting involved in this David and Goliath type effort to beat Republican U.S. military veteran, educator, mom in Delco and Delco native Katie Ford.
2: Yeah, Don, I think it's I think it's outrageous, first of all, that we have an outsider, a president who's trying to strong arm the voters of my native Delaware County yes. um, and really trying to Uh, influence an election and and basically take it out of the hands of the voters. Because when you have that kind of firepower, um, this particular president, uh, president doesn't have that much firepower left in him. I mean, he's really he's working on fumes at this point. But the office of the president means something still to a lot of people. And for him to come and try and wield that Power to influence an election, a local election, is outrageous. And we all know why he's doing it, because this is such a crucial, crucial seat. It will determine the balance of power in the legislature, in the House, in Harrisburg. And we have seen a creeping nationalization, let's say, of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. They did it when they targeted the Senate race, when they essentially dragged a very debilitated John Fetterman over the finish line when, um, you know, last year during the senatorial race. And now they're doing it with our state legislature. And, and I'll tell you something, you know, Dawn, although I disagreed mightily with the national focus and spotlight put on Pennsylvania in the senatorial race, I could understand it because it was a federal election for them to come in and essentially nationalize a local race, a, um, you know, a, a grassroots, small, tiny little area of Pennsylvania and nationalize that it's disgusting. It's repellent. And I, I, I will say something. Um, I wrote a column yesterday in the Delco Times that was a lukewarm endorsement of Katie Ford, mm-hmm. not because I don't think she's an honorable person. I think she absolutely is, and you you put it out there on the table. She's a veteran, um, works with special needs children. She is um, the wife of a uh, of a police officer of law enforcement. She's it's really a great package. Her the thing that I thought was her Achilles heel for a lot of conservatives in in Delco was her position on abortion. She's very squishy on it. And she came out and said, I'm for a woman's right to choose. Now, I know that for a lot of Republicans, that's fine because there are a lot of pro-choice Republicans. But for a pro-life, once Democrat, now Democrat, only because of the Philadelphia primary race, but future Republican, that. I'm talking about myself. That's really upsetting. You know, mm-hmm. I am for a woman's right to choose their fighting words. It's like the red flag in front of the bull. <laughs> and, and so it annoyed me. But I did come down for the reasons that we were just discussing mm-hmm. the importance of this race. I did come down and I said, you have to vote for Katie Ford because the alternative, Heather Boyd, is a radical I don't even want to call her an abortion rights activist. I mean, this woman seems to be supporting a form of infanticide. She would, she would support abortion up to the moment that the head is coming out of the, you know, the birth canal. Um, this is someone that would have, you know, had no problem with Kermit Gosnell. She's, I believe, the head of the local chapter of now. Yes. She is just horrifically radical and she is not the kind of human being has n- the character uh, is not um someone who should be in elected office and uh so I said, you know, hold your nose and and vote for Katie, you pro lifers out there because we're a big contingent, and we vote, and I was just basically saying, please don't be you know, pushed or or repelled by the abortion issue. Because I had a, a bunch of pro-lifers reach out to me over the weekend and say, look what she said, look what she did, you know. Right. And I think they were hoping that I would write this column saying, just like, stay home and or vote for the uh, third party candidate. We can't do that, Dawn. I mean, if we have a president coming in and putting his really big thumb on the scale in favor of the Democrat, we cannot allow that to happen. You have to vote for an imperfect, but much, much, much better than the alternative candidate.
1: Yeah, and it's well said because in Katie Ford, you know, she said herself, she has a child who has some disabilities here, and so she's somebody who has walked walked the walk, right, right. as as, right. A, as a mom who gave birth you know to a child who who has some disabilities and and so she has said you know she yes she would want that to be rare but she she's not that radical person on either side right. i think her point is that you look at the commercials that are airing and she's saying those commercials are lying and even the commercials ultimately got governor josh shapiro that's another rare thing to be in the commercial and katie ford says the governor lied about her and, yeah. and what she's all about it just shows you to what level they're going to go to because why, it's not about Delco it's not about Delaware County or serving the people in Delaware County it's clearly about the Democrats and winning and partisan politics
2: it's so true, Dawn. And it's again, it's it's so repellent. And you're you're absolutely right about Shapiro um, from, you know, when he was campaigning for governor every single day, I would see a tweet about I will be the the governor that protects your abortion rights. I am the abortion governor. He didn't actually say it that way, but it was coming out that way. Um, every other tweet or communication was about he's going to protect the rights of women to have abortions. And it's, I mean, that's really what this is all about here. That and the fact that they want control of all of the organs of government in Pennsylvania. And as Katie said, too, she put out a statement in response to when I was writing my column, mm-hmm. and she made a really strong point. She said, with a Democrat governor, but, a Republican legislature with divided government, we have much more of an opportunity to advance our um, moderate agenda as as conservatives. Yeah. As we we don't want our state to be hijacked by these radicals. The same thing that happened yesterday with that rally with Helen Gim. Yeah. she brought in you know people who who. As I said, I said, you really know that someone's fighting for the Philadelphia vote when you bring in people who never said the word water, W-O-O-D-E-R, <laughs> in their lives. I mean, you've got AOC, you've got Bernie, you've got Cynthia Nixon, you've got Jane Fonda, you've got Mark um, uh, Ruffalo. These are people who, who couldn't point Philadelphia out on a map, and yet they're supposed to be um, experts on what is best for our, you know, for the city. And it's the same thing. I mean, the exact same thing is happening in Delco. And it just, it's disgusting. And I'm so glad, thank God for you. Thank God for for Talk Radio for pointing this out because the Inquirer is not doing it. Um, much of the other media is not framing it in this way. They're not, Saying, "Well, this is inappropriate for right. outside forces to be hijacking a local election," and
1: um, I, I do want to get to Helen Gim because <laughs> Larry, my husband Larry, and Menti and I were laughing hysterically. We saw you tweeted out your your Helen Gim imitation, and I've done my imitation. Our Jimmy Kelly, who you know Jimmy very well, and he has Jim. a Helen he Gim imitation, <laughs> so. <laughs> We have to have some fun with that one moving forward. I'll save that one till last because it's kind of a treat and you do a perfect Helen Gim imitation. Um, (laughs) I know Bernie was in town, as you said, and AOC, they're all, they're rallying behind Helen Gim. But I do want to pick your brains a little bit because you are an immigration attorney and Mm -hmm. we look at Title 42. Can you give us your take, Christine, as far as what's going on, the ramification record? numbers of people coming across our borders and even the news that the Biden administration which is required to keep track of children who are coming uh, coming to this country vis-a-vis the southern border and now this administration has lost track of these kids can you give us an overview of you know what you think about this and how you in a personal way as an immigration attorney how you're dealing with this
2: yeah it's 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 The only word I can think of is troubling. It's very, first of all, this administration um, has been almost as draconian, if you want to use that word, as the prior administration. And I say that because there was such politicization. There was such rhetoric being thrown around when Donald Trump was president. And I worked for four years doing immigration work while Donald Trump was president. And yeah, there were there were serious issues, serious problems that I had to deal with in my asylum practice. And, you know, whether or not this audience is happy with it, I really, I, I pushed back against a lot of the policies that I thought were unfair and not workable. Um, however, I will say this, and I said this during the administration. There is such hypocrisy on the part of Democrats. And it has always been thus for the 28 years that I've been working uh, as an immigration attorney. I worked through the Bush administration. I actually worked through the Clinton administration. So I'm that old. Um, Bill Clinton, Bush, Obama, um, Trump, and now Biden. And I will tell you, I can't think of a worse moment, a less organized, a more keystone cop moment than we're living through right now. Biden is dealing with the border the same way he dealt with the, um, um, the exodus, the exit from Afghanistan. There was no plan in place. There is, um, although I, I'm not sure if the chaos that they were expecting is at full levels right now. I know that there is, that people are, are coming over. Um, but I do think that if they don't get a handle on this and figure out what they're going to be doing when they do have people who are applying for asylum at the border, we're going to have catastrophic catastrophic impact on the immigration system here. For example, I have clients who um, will go to their first hearing which is called a master hearing it's like a preliminary hearing where you tell an immigration judge why you're here what you're seeking um and if you filed any kind of application for asylum or for a family-based visa or what have you they are right now in philadelphia for the most part giving final hearings two to three years out now that may sound like a lot but if you go to California, if you go to Arizona, if you go to New York, they're putting cases out in many cases to 2027 and 2028. So we're in 2023. We're talking about people who are going to have pending applications for five years. Some of them, you know, hopefully the, the, the Biden administration is going to get a lot better at being able to monitor where these people are living. You know, checking in. The ICE agencies are overwhelmed with people. They're, the, the Biden administration, I don't know what's happening down at the border, but they regularly send people to the wrong ICE office to be processed. So, it's, it's, it's chaos, Dawn. And, I mean, This country deserves better, and to be honest, so do the people who are coming in. I know a lot of people say, well, you know, get in line, do this legally. To be really honest, there is no line to get into. Now it's just like a basic free-for-all, and, you know, those who are seeking asylum – There is a large number, there are a large number of people who are coming who are economic refugees, and that is not recognized by the immigration system as a form uh, a basis for asylum. Just because you you don't have a job, poverty is horrible. We have poverty here in the United States. Crime is horrible, but overwhelming crime is a problem here in the United States as well, including, you know, right outside my window in Philadelphia, but... But true asylum claims, and there are a lot, um, should be given the dignity of a hearing, not wait eight years before you get in front of an immigration judge trying to explain that, yeah, your family was was persecuted by the gangs or the Taliban, killed your uncle. I mean, I have all of these cases, and to have to wait to be frozen for eight years, the. These are not people who are coming here just because they want to live the good life in the United States. There's sort of that misinterpretation of it. Um, A lot of people want to get their cases resolved as quickly as possible. And the Biden administration is not helping at all. Um, The Title 42 is this. This is something that could have been resolved back at the beginning of the administration, back in 2020, when, you know, he he came into office. This is a, a COVID era um, regulation, and COVID has essentially been over, except, you know, don't tell that to the people who are still wearing masks <laughs> in cars with the windows up, but COVID has been over for well over a year, the the pandemic levels of it, and they could have figured it out. And they didn't do it, Dawn, and the reason they didn't do it was for PR, because they don't want to be seen as the, they they, they they're pandering to the far, far left. Yes. And when you do that, you end up with chaos. Uh, when you pander to any extreme, you get chaos. But in this particular instance, um, Biden, and to be really honest with you, I don't even think he has a handle on what's going on. I don't think he knows what's going on. We talk about President Biden's policies. I don't think President Biden is, is really up on a lot of this stuff. It falls to Mayorkas. It falls to uh, Merrick Garland as the head of the DOJ. You know, it falls to the local USCIS offices, the ICE agents. So that's my all over the place answer. Yeah,
1: no, it's a lot. It's a it's a hot mess, and I know there are some Republicans who've called for the impeachment of Homeland, Security, you know, Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas after you know the end of Title Forty Two, et cetera. But you know, you bring up a great point, Christine Flowers, and that is think about what a hot mess this is, and where there is an opportunity. Look at this local race of what's happening, and I often criticize the GOP leadership. In other words, in Pennsylvania, look at the million dollars that's flooded into a little tiny local race in Delaware County to beat Katie Ford, a military army veteran, mom of a child with disabilities, educator who's not in any way a career politician but is who's somebody – who has gotten into this because she feels she wants to serve, genuinely serve her community. And they're throwing everything, money, a million dollars against her. They've got the President of the United States of America. Talk about coordination, you know, within the Democrats. Yeah. The Republicans, the GOP, it's, you know, where's the game plan here? And I, I do feel like we have a failure of leadership nationally and locally
2: when it comes to the Republican Party. I I totally agree. And, you know, Dawn, they had such a great opportunity to win this race from the get-go. Mike Zabel, who is the you know the representative who resigned who resigned because this is a special election now because of the resignation of a man who was credibly accused of sexual abuse and harassment for five years since he's been in office but that's not you know how they always say it's not the crime it's the cover-up the cover-up is the problem here because democrats including heather boyd the Democratic candidate for this seat knew exactly what and who Zabel was, what he was doing, who he was, um, you know, menacing, threatening, and it was only when they were forced because broaden liberty god bless them mm-hmm. published a story about this and actually got the news out of, and actually got the name of you know the woman who was uh, one of the women one of, one the, of the, three. The, the the numerous women yeah. <laughs> who were abused once she was basically i guess she said she was, she was forced to come out but you know, broaden liberty did um, an amazing Todd Shepard their investigative reporter did an amazing job in getting this story out no other outlet was interested. The Inquirer was on the tail of Dalen Leach, was on the tail of Nick Miccarelli in Delco, was on the tail of all of these other Republicans, and Dalen Leach was a Democrat who were accused of of abuse and assault, but they were silent on Zabel until Broad and Liberty came out and, and did a report on it. And so anyway, so you've got Zabel, and this is a guy who was Everybody who knows him personally says, oh, what a really nice guy. He was a really good guy, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, fine. And he sexually harassed a bunch of women in office. And Joanna McClintock knew about this. The majority speaker, the majority leader right now knew about it, kept it quiet. Pretty much every single member of the Democratic caucus knew about Zabel. They were warning women to stay away from him. And they didn't come out. This should be a slam dunk for Republicans, for Republicans who – Republican women, for – Democrat women who would say, you know, what happened to the Me Too movement? Does the Me Too movement only apply to Republicans these days? (laughs) Apparently so. And it's just, it's outrageous. So yeah, the Republicans are dropping the ball on this. I don't think they're serving uh, Katie well either. I don't think they prepared her well for that debate where she dropped the whole, I'm for a woman's right to choose thing. I think there was a way that she could have expressed her opinion on abortion where it would not have triggered a kind of like an Alamo-like moment <laughs> among pro-lifers. Mm-hmm. And because she's a very good woman and, yes. you know, a veteran. This is this is a woman who's devoted her life to public service. Heather Boyd has devoted her life to democrat policies, to a partisan Policy. When you go into the army or when you, when you go into the military service, you don't say, I'm only going to protect Republicans or I'm only going to protect Democrats. You are taking an oath to protect your, your fellow citizens. Heather Boyd has never done that in her life. It's always been about her. It's always been about her cronies in the Democrat Party yeah. and, and those who share her activism. And it's the same with Helen Gimm. So, you know, people have a very clear choice here. I hope. And pray that my old neighbors in Delco will make the right decision yes. and will vote against Heather Boyd
1: and for Katie Ford. <clears throat> Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you mentioned you mentioned Helen Gim, who uh, really pulled out all the Uncle Bernie, Bernie Sanders. He was AOC. They're all coming out for Helen Gimm. and a recent poll says that the mayoral race in Philadelphia is a virtual tie but Helen Gim is leading slightly <laughs> followed by Sherelle Parker then Rebecca Reinert, then Alan Dom and mm-hmm. so that's the latest as we look to Helen Gim who's the most progressive of the group and Christine Flowers I lo- I thought I had a pretty good <laughs> so this is Helen like we had had fun with it but you have an awesome Helen Gim Imitation, can you give us a little flavor here?
2: Well, okay, don. Hello, I'm Helen Gim, and I'm just so happy that the Sixers lost last night because you know I'm not really from Philadelphia, so I don't really have any connection to the city. I actually love Boston because the mayor of Boston, Michelle Wu, she absolutely she loves me because like we're the same kind of activism kind of person, activist, you know. And AOC also has absolutely no connection to Philadelphia. And she supports me. And Bernie Sanders. And Jane Fonda. <laughs> and all of these people who have absolutely no connection to Philadelphia. They absolutely love me. And so I think that that is a reason that everyone should vote for me. Also because I taught for like 12 minutes in the <laughs> Philadelphia school system. And so I know everything about schools and kids. And I'm a union person. I love unions. I'm always, I go to the union league. <laughs> And I, you know, I like support unions, even though I had a huge billion dollar bash yesterday. <laughs> at a non union venue. And I, you know, I, I totally care about everyone suffering in the city from, you know, the opioid crisis, even though my husband, um, used to be, but he resigned. Um, you know, he used to be one of those people flooding drugs into, uh, Kensington. Um, and just, so I just really think that I should be elected because I have a really nice smile. And, um, <laughs> I promise you, if I'm elected, I will get rid of every single statue of every Italian person that ever, ever uh, did anything important uh-oh. in the city. Um I might get rid of Italian people as well. So I think you should elect me. Philadelphia, <laughs> we
1: fired up! <laughs> this is awesome. I love it. I love it. Um, you know, when you look at this election and you think about um, – Obviously, they they will. Fa- whoever wins tomorrow's primary, then will go against obviously David O, who we know right. well. But we, of of all of the Democrats, is Helen Gim the one that you would dread the most, or which Democrat would you say would be the worst that could win tomorrow, May sixteenth?
2: Well, that's a really, really great question, Don. I have to get out of my hell in gym. I was about to—that's a roller roller. No. Um, I think, in a very perverse way, and I don't want to risk it because she's just toxic, dangerous, a time ticking time bomb. Yeah. But in a way. I have heard from a number of of Democrats, of people who are actual Democrats, not the kind of Democrat I am who switched parties so I could vote in the primary tomorrow. <laughs> These are long standing Democrats who said if Helen Gimm is the nominee, they will vote for David O. They They will actually not just stay home. They will vote for the Republican. So in that sense, there is maybe an opening, a venue, a way of not okay. having a, a total complete meltdown tomorrow if she actually wins, because I believe that she is probably the strongest Democratic candidate to give us a Republican mayor in in the general election. Now, the most, I think um, it's either between – Alan Dom mm-hmm. or um Sherelle Parker yeah. I think would be the two Democrats that would most likely vanquish David O in the general and that's because Dom is um Dom is a is a is a, is a moderate um I mean mm-hmm. he's a Democrat but yes he appeals to a lot of Republicans. There are a lot of people, a lot of Republicans, in fact, who switched their registration so they could vote for him in the primary. Um, And Parker has a huge base in Northwest Philly, the traditional, um, you know, African-Americans of Northwest Philly, really strong, that base that is, is, is going to come out, I think. And I, and she also has that, those roots in city council. She's been around for a long time. She has a history in the city. Reinhardt, the thing about Reinhardt, and you know she's very wonkish. And had she not um, trended lately to becoming, you know, trying to sort of make herself out as the alternative to Helen Gim, just a little less progressive than Helen Gim, I think she might really have been the the Kingslayer, the Gim Slayer. But I don't know. I think her campaign is starting to peter out. Yeah. I think she's too much like Gim. Yes. She's and um, they're going to I think they're going to divide the vote. I feel bad for Jeff Brown. I think he is a very, very good man, decent man, was doing a lot of heavy lifting when there was no attention on him. I mean, you know, he was opening up these, he was actually doing something for the African American community, minority communities, communities that lived in food deserts. He was doing this at a time when nobody was talking about the mayoral race. Um, but he's been, unfortunately, I think the media yes. has dragged him down with a lot of, um, the, the, the Inquirer's horrible. Yeah. The Inquirer, and, and yeah, everybody who's listening who has ever heard me before knows I used to write for the Inquirer. I left on a very, on very, very bad time. I'm like, I'm, I'm Angelina Jolie, and the Inquirer is Brad Pitt. That's the kind <laughs> of relationship that we have right now. So take it with a grain of salt, but they've, they've been horrible they've been terrible the one saving grace is that they did not endorse Helen Gim um they sure. endorsed Rebecca Reinhardt Reinhard, so yeah. so yeah I I think it it will be it will be fascinating to see what happens tomorrow and to see I know Gim says she's slightly out front but it's such a volatile race and the there's so many different yes. personalities that I would not be surprised if um if she is not the nominee tomorrow.
1: Okay. I love it. But I love your silver lining, that if Kim is the winner, then she's beatable by David O. And I love that take.
2: Yeah, I've, I've heard that from, yeah. I've actually, I wish I had, had had come up with it, but I've heard yeah too many Democrats say to me, If she's a nominee, I'm voting for David O. And they didn't even say, I'm staying home. They're saying, I'm voting for David O. Because she is so toxic and poses such a danger to this city that um, good Democrats, and there are a lot of old-line Democrats out there. um, I was a Democrat for 37 years, and... I was in the party at a time – I stayed way too long – but I was in a party at a, t- at a time when Democrats weren't crazy. They didn't have pronouns, you know. They were awake. They weren't woke, you know, except for Joe Biden, who hasn't been awake for a couple decades, uh, you know. But anyway, well, yeah.
1: Well, here is the other silver lining. If Gim wins and then she's beatable by David O., we have to have you back for your recurring Helen Gim great imitation – so we we have an entertainment aspect to this as well.
2: I will be so happy to do that, Don, because I actually listen to your show. I would never tell anybody that I do that. So nobody's listening to me right now anyway. But, yes, absolutely. I absolutely love
0: you.
1: <laughs> well, I love you back as Christine, not as the other one. But thank God. you so much. You've been so generous and, as always, gracious with your time. But, Christine Flowers, thanks for being here this morning and giving your insight into so many different issues. Thanks, Christine.
0: Let's <laughs>